Rocker from Mushroom, this is some of my best work. In the late 80s and early 90s, Geelong was rough. 20% unemployment meant doll forms were handed out to kids as they were leaving high school. From the Ford factories and biker bars came a subculture that would help create some of Darren Smallman's best work. Step back in time, if just but for a moment, and recall some of those acts that were making their way through Geelong in the early 90s. In 1991, it was Fagazi. 92, it was Red Cross and the Hard-Ons, Slim Dusty and Yothi Yindi. By 93, you had UMI headlining a show at the Bowen Club. 94, we had Frank Black from the Pixies. And in 95, the Divinals and Joan Jett were doing a double headline bill. At age 15, Darren joined a couple of younger kids, barely teenagers themselves, to create Warped, an early punk rock band in Geelong's emerging punk rock scene. Dog Killer was the first official release of one of his songs and in an era that started a lifelong career in arts and music. Now living in the UK, Des Dare is Darren's current music project. Des Dare's latest single is... 1985, out April 1 this year. It's from their new album, Ulysses Trash, coming out on April 19. Check out the episode notes for more info and to have a listen. Here's Darren with some of his best work, Dog Killer. Well, Darren, thank you so much for taking part in an episode of Some of My Best Work and to talk Dog Killer by Warped. Take us back to where this song began, I guess. It's very formative teen years, right? Yeah, well, when we first started, um, you know, kind of Ben and Chris were um, hanging around uh, Caveman Records in Geelong and I knew them kind of through families. And we, they got offered a, a gig and they kind of needed a bass player. So, you know, I kind of jumped in and kind of learnt. I'd already kind of been dabbling in guitar, but kind of didn't really know. I mean, I was 15, you know, those guys were like 12 and 13 or something along those lines. And yeah, you know, I mean, we jumped straight in, you know, I mean, like, you know, kids bored in Geelong, you know, you've got nothing else to do with your time. Um, you know, we were kind of skateboarders, you know, into music and stuff. So, you know, we kind of went, um, we ended up like, you know, we still got this gig with Bored and the Dirty Lovers at the Eureka Hotel, which is uh, like a biker venue back in the day, which is kind of quite hilarious because back in those days, we had to have parents with us as chaperones. And, you know, we basically had parents to stand at the back and just watch while we, you know, idolised these guys and ran around like mad kids um and then it would be like you know it was a sign of respect back in those days in geelong probably still is to be honest um you know kind of if they if, if they loved you you get like a half like you know full can of beer tossed at your head i can remember seeing my mother in the back of the room you know having these beer cans flying past her head and freaking out about this we thought it was great you know i mean 
course we thought it was great. And this song in particular, yeah, I mean, sort of, it was kind of one of the first songs that it was, it was the first one of the first songs that I wrote. One of the first songs that we did as a band, and it stayed. You know, I was in the first lineup, and they've had many bass players, a bit like Spinal Tap for with bass players. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. I was kind of the first of many, and that was kind of one of those. This song was kind of one of our key kind of live songs for the the three years or something that I was in the band. So that's kind of why I got picked for this, really. Simon Keeler, who was working at Shock um, yes. from the UK, came, came across from the UK, he was working at Shock, who now runs Forte over here in the UK. Uh, he basically had been to a quite a few of our shows at the Great Britain. Uh, and was like, you know, sort of, you know, really wanted us to be in this compilation he'd um, put together for Shagpile Records, and I mean, we were wrapped at the time, you know. I mean, back in back in the in the eighties and nineties, you know, I mean, you know, everyone everyone made their own cassette tapes, you know, to sell at gigs. You know, you didn't have streaming and all that sort of nonsense we have these days. So I mean, it was really hard to get stuff out. So just to get like a record label to say, oh, you know, we, we want to have one of your songs on like you know vinyl and CD. You know, we all. That was the best thing ever. So you know, when Simon said, you know, we, we want to have um, this track on, you know, we, we were kind of like, "Yep, let's do that." This was a very unique time in Geelong and very formative in terms of what sort of kickstarted. Or it was the era of the Pop and Mamas, as you say yourselves. Um, there was yeah. just so much going on at the Barwon Club. That scene. You were underage, but you would have been in the thick of all that creativity. Take us through where you guys wrote this song and how it came about. It would have probably been written um, in the rehearsal room we shared. We shared a rehearsal room with, with the Dirty Lovers, but I say that. They died um, in a car accident, a horrible car accident. A couple of them did anyway, um, just after we started using the rehearsal room with them. The Pop and Mummers took over um, that space and we shared it with them for a little while until we got asked to um, you know, vacate the space because we had too many underage parties uh, there on Saturday nights. It was a very weird room. It was this like um, crusty old room at the back of this barber shop next to this chicken shop on a highway in Geelong. Um, and, you know, I mean, basically it was just an empty room filled with, you know, sort of old carpet scraps and, you know, mattresses. And you know, we pile in there with 20 of our mates and... You know, carry on. Um, and yeah, but there was actually like, a, there's actually still a video of us. There's a couple of videos online actually of us in that rehearsal room from back in those days. Basically, we, we wrote all of our stuff in there um, until like, you know, and, you know, in all the rehearsal spaces, you know, I think that room in particular was quite big for us. We wrote a lot of the early songs there and Dog Killer in particular was very much a part of it. Basically, in those days, we just wanted to sound heavy. There wasn't really much thought behind the lyrics. We were kids, teenage lyrics. Are always unique. It's always funny going back to them. We did like a reunion show on New Year's Eve in the mid two thousands, and we had to relearn a whole bunch of songs from that era. And it's never pleasant revisiting lyrics you wrote when you were when you were fifteen. Yeah, it's unique. <laughs> but yeah, but like yeah. So basically, it's the whole thing at the time, really. You know, I mean, there's a whole massive scene down there. It's quite unique. It's got this book out at the moment, which is kind of part of the reason why um, a bunch of us are doing um, you know sort of releases of old material and stuff. Marie's put together this like book. It's a, it's a picture book, essentially, um, a coffee table book of uh, all these old photos of that scene because it was massive. That scene, you know, I mean, back in in the nineties, you know, like we played with Fagazi at the Ukrainian Hall. You know, I mean, Tumbleweed was coming through all the time. Mud Honey. I mean, all these bands were coming to Geelong uh, all the time. Dead Moon came to Geelong numerous times. Red Cross, I remember. I remember seeing Red Cross in Geelong too at the uni. Was that was that at the university? 
That was at the Deakin University, yeah. It was Red Cross and Hoodoo Gurus, I believe. I was at that gig as well. <laughs> in fact, me and in fact, me and the Wart Boys snuck backstage to try and get autographs from Red Cross and steal UMI's rider. We didn't get autographs, but we did manage to steal UMI's rider, which was a success for us. But yeah, I mean, everyone came to Geelong. You know, everyone came through Geelong at that point. Um, yeah. It was a really kind of exciting time, and it was kind of a lot of people from that era kind of are still very much in touch and still, you know, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a resurgence of, you know, kind of memories from that era, um, you know, these days, because well, I think we're all getting to that age, but also to, um, you know, it, there was just lots of great music coming out, you know, lots of people just doing it for the fun of it and lots of people just making music that was, they thought was cool. Yep. And Darren, can I ask, you know, as you say, three years with the band, but the very first bass player and in that original lineup. What that time represents to you, looking back, you know. I think it was. Uh, I think it taught me a load of a load of things. You know, I mean, I was. Yeah, you know, I, I had a lot of a lot of issues when I was younger. I mean, I ended up I was diagnosed autistic a, a few years back, and looking back at it now, I, I kind of realised there was kind of a bunch of things that kind of I suppose steered me in that kind of direction because you know when you're you know, kind of unique in some in, in, in sort of ways and quite artistic and whatnot in a town that's essentially a sports a sports town you, know, you kind of end up kind of you know sort of going in a certain direction and a lot of us found a, a home with like you know sort of you know with these people so you know we kind of found you know pubs like the Barlow Club and we found people who were playing in bands and uh, they were in you know this is the subculture of Geelong and Melbourne at the time and you know we all found a home there and it formed a lot of us in the way we do things a lot of us kept on playing. You know, we've Warped is still playing like 30-odd years later. You know I mean? A lot of us are still in bands. You know, Chris Smith, who was a big Geelong guy, he just released a new album uh, in, in Melbourne. He's He builds guitars for Maton. You know I mean? You know, I'm still, you know, working in music and the arts, you know, all these years later. You know, kind of yep. built, like, you know, a whole thing. You know I mean, it built like, quite a DIY thing to I me. Mean, a lot of us, you know, were kind of really hands-on with everything. You know, I went from... At 17, I moved out of home and started, um, you know, kind of running band rooms and putting on art gallery spaces in, in old meat factories and stuff. And then when I kind of moved to Melbourne, I started a you know, record label, uh, Low Transit Industries, and did like a load of touring of records. And, you know, kind of things just progressed. I mean, I think without, you know, kind of having that initial that's sort of that's of inclusion into that world at a, at a young age you know you wouldn't end up doing the sort of things that a lot of us have done over the years we would have probably gone off and done something else we wouldn't have felt confident enough to uh, take on the lives that we've taken on and because of that community and you know, how embracing it were I mean everyone was so embracing we were so crap the first gig we did I mean we were terrible you know, there's still a cassette running around of it but you know I mean everyone just said everyone thought we were amazing it's like you guys are just getting up there and do it and that's kind of I suppose the the mentality of a, a lot of the people in the scene was just if you're getting up and doing it you know you deserve it you know kind of have a good time and that's kind of I suppose generally what a lot of us walked away from with that sort of attitude you know I mean just just do it get on with it have a good time <laughs> just take us through the unique sound that really became you know the backdrop of what we came to expect from Geelong and the punk scene in the 90s I mean those of us lucky enough to have been there and witnessed it now and as you say with the book that's been released and that yeah. real ode to you know Detroit I mean what was it like 
for you to be there. And do you sort of go, wow, I was there at that time, but I didn't realize how good it was, you know, until many years passed? Yeah, no, a lot of us have been saying that recently, and a lot of us didn't really realize how actually good it was. Um, you know, we see a lot of band scenes all over the world these days, and you know, it's it's not the it's not the same. Um, but you know, I mean, it's Geelong was a, a, an amazing place. I think the the one thing that does, I think, un, united all the bands in in Geelong at that point it was like is this great like um comic strip that a mate of mine, Mike Keane, did. He played in a bunch of bands like She Freak and was in Walk yeah. Briefly and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he did this comic strip basically about like where it had like every band in Geelong on it, just all singing "I Want to Be a Dog," saying it was like you know the Geelong like you know cover band song. You know, I mean every every Geelong band did a cover "I Want to Be a Dog." Uh, Magic Dirt did one. Board did board do it. Well, they probably did about six different kind of like you know, like, you know Stooges covers. But yeah, the Stooges rock and roll. Yeah, American rock and roll was really kind of it. You know, I mean, we dabbled a bit into kind of um, more kind of left field stuff like the Leather Nun uh, and whatnot uh, and Sonic Youth. Um, but you know, I mean, even like those guys, you know, Magic Dirt were heavily influenced by Sonic Youth and you know just rock and roll and noise. Um, and that was kind of what you got when you went out, really. You know, yeah. whether you're watching kind of um, you know Tumbleweed or whether you're watching. You know, Magic Dirt or Bored or Warped, you know, it was all kind of just, you know, in your face, um, you know, rock and roll and kind of embracing rock and roll. So it wasn't like, you know, sort of um, everyone would be, you know, on stage and walk off the stage and just talk shit to everyone else, you know, around. So it was yep. kind of just, it's kind of just a bunch of people hanging around just, you know, trying to outdo themselves. It's kind of one of the things a lot of, the, especially a lot of the young, you know, young guys in the scene, you know, sort of young guys and girls in the scene would always try and do is outdo themselves. So there's kind of this competitive nature as well, where a lot of, with a lot of the young bands, um, we're always trying to up, outdo each other on stage. Uh, one gig is um, actually some footage at the launch for the book just recently um, of the gig where um, Warped, uh, basically you had a Humphrey B. Bear chair that we put on stage, this plastic chair, and we had it on stage and we talked about it all the way through the stage and we were going to like, you know, explode, blow it up at the end of the night and the pub wouldn't let us, let us like burn this plastic chair on stage at the end of the night, funny enough. Um, we ended up like taking it into the beer garden at the end and like, you know, covering a lot of fuel and, you know, setting it on fire. And there's all these photos and video of it and, you know, it's kind of just things like that. You're always trying to do like one up, you know, sort of... Uh, Always trying to outdo the others. At the time that you were in Warp, you were also doing other music as well. So can maybe just sort of, for those listening, explain how that sort of was playing out for you too. There was so much stuff. There's always stuff going on at that point. I mean, I was kind of in like multiple projects at the time and this is probably part of the reason why I ended up um, not staying in, in Warped really. Um, I had moved out of home when I was 17. Uh, I moved into a house uh, with five other kids who were kind of either in school or just left school. Um, old Railway Commission house in Geelong. Um, and you know, we were all kind of playing in bands and doing whatnot. And I, mean, I had to like, I was like sound engineering um, to like cover um, rent. And um, I'd be, I started a band with Dave Thomas and Buzz from Board called Toad. And I started kind of, doing a bit of kind of more poppier stuff, um, which ended up being the vinyl creatures in the end. Um, and yeah, it's kind of just, I bet loads of people were in bands at that time. We also had the first rap band in um, Geelong, as far as I'm aware, called Nine Inch Knob, with the same yeah. logo as Nine Inch Nails. Very creative. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, there's lots of kids just on unemployment. When I first, like, um, left school, you know, I mean, they all, they all taught us how to fill out, you know, unemployment forms. Um, there was twenty percent unemployment rate in Geelong, you know, back in ninety one. 
Um, mm. So there wasn't really anything to do apart from, you know, try and, you know, sneak beers and, um, and start bands. So we started bands and we snuck beers. I recall you sort of talking about the bikey scene. It was pretty in your face in that era as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really full on. Um, we didn't see, well, I'll say we didn't see much of it. I mean, the, the, the pubs were quite rough though. I remember like, you know, we played at the Richmond Club a, a few times. Even the Great Britain back in that era um, were, were pretty full on. The Eureka shut down for, um, briefly just after we had played there and it got renovated into a sports bar. But um, yeah, I mean, there was quite a big biker um, sort of uh, contingency down, down to a long way. So you kind of always see him at gigs and yeah, I mean, Geelong was a rough town back in those days. You know, <laughs> yes. I mean, it was it was a factory town. You know, I yeah. mean, it was it was fighting and you know whatnot on a Friday night. You know, I mean, yeah. it was kind of it, it was there was once a, a mate of mine was we were both standing at the front of the barman club at about two in the morning, and this car pulled up about ten meters down the road from us. This guy jumped out, ran up and punched Mike in the head, and then hopped back into the car and drove off for no, oh, no apparent reason. Yeah, it was just, it was just going a different time. I mean, Geelong's a different place now. Um, the fact most of the factories are closed and the university's taken over. Um, yeah, you know, it's a it's a different beast. But you know, I mean, it was good times. You know, I mean, it was wild times. You know, we all, you know, sort of kind of had you know wild, stupid parties and you know kind of did silly things. Um, yeah. And in a in a town that was kind of exactly like that. <laughs> and so now, Darren, how do you end up in the UK? Take us on that journey and where you're at today with music as well. Uh, well, I first came over here in the mid '90s. Um, it was kind of um, as the kind of vinyl creatures were winding down. Really, um, I basically just wanted to come over, you know, check it out. You know, I mean, Simon Keeler had actually released one of my vinyl creatures records over here, and um, I, you know, I kind of planned for the whole band to come across, but no one came in the end. They all wanted to stay with their girlfriends, um, so I went by myself. Um, and, you know, we kind of had a good time for, you know, a year, did some traveling around, but I came back to, to Melbourne and, you know, kind of took up my life again, um, in Australia. Um, but I met, um, a British uh, woman and we were together for 15 years. Um, and 10 of those, we lived in Melbourne, uh, or Melbourne in the country outside of Melbourne. And yeah, I suppose back in about 2010, um, kind of when we were winding down low transit, you know, kind of we had decided to move over here because basically like her um, mother um, was missing here a lot. Uh, and we thought, you know, why not give it a crack? Yeah. So here I am in England. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, it's good. You know, it's fine. You know, I'm over here. I'm doing some good work for like, you know, some arts charities and whatnot and getting back into into music. I've got my studio now, which you can't see because we're on the phone. Otherwise, you yep. see some wonderful ramshackle pictures of music gear leaning up against walls. Yeah. So kind of getting back into it again. But I wonder if, you know, you being over there, if, I mean, have you brought much stuff from your Geelong days there? Like, uh, you strike me as someone who might be a bit sentimental and hold on to things. (laughs) I don't know. Am I right or wrong? Did used to be a bit more of a a bit of a hoarder when I was younger, but I just moved too much is the thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, my 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 sister worked out that you know my our, my parents had like you know moved us eighteen seventeen times in eighteen years or something when we were growing up. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we I was like you know I was in rental properties most of my adult life. Um. So you know, I mean, kind of moving every you know year or two. So no, not really. You know, when I moved over here, um, I didn't bring anything with me. Um, when I moved in with my wife seven years ago, I moved over in a taxi. I travel very light these days, although I'm accumulating a lot of junk now. 
that I have a studio. Yeah. But the funny thing is, like old stuff, when we're talking about that, you know, I mean, we actually have been finding a lot of stuff online. You know, sort of women sharing some old demo tapes. People are finding old demo tapes and things and old, like old recordings and videos and uh, the drummer from the Vinyl Creatures and the Sound Platforms just found a bunch of old VHSs um, from festivals and stuff we did. And, you know, the WAP guys got a whole like bin of stuff. And Marie, obviously, this is where the, Marie's book came from, you know, kind of opening up the... You know, the garage and going, oh, look at all this crap and maybe we should do something with it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, long story short, you know, yes, I do have some stuff, but actually not that much because I just, yeah, too roaming. And tell us about new music. What's coming for you? Well, I have this new project, which actually um, called Des Dare, which is kind of the name comes from that old era, actually, because it'd been sort of a decade or so since I'd done anything um, musically properly. Um, and I thought about kind of starting to do stuff in the pandemic and thought, you know, I mean, you know, what do I want to do? And I kind of decided I wanted to do something kind of quite um, sort of noisy and a bit experimental and rocky. And um, I kind of thinking my stage name, um, our stage name is in Walk back in that, back when I was in the band. It was, it was like uh, Lightning Watkins, which was Ben. Uh, there was Chris Crime, uh, which is the drummer. And then there was myself, which was Darren Dare. And a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Rachel, who was just over here just a few weeks ago, uh, used to call me Dez, or does call me Dez. So that's kind of where the name come from, a combination of you know Rachel's nickname for me and uh, my old stage name in, in Walt. Um, so yeah, you know, kind of just getting back into it, really. So um, just put it, so my, so my second record's coming out, um, new singles just out in the first. Actually, Respect the Rock on Triple R. Thank you, Nicole. Just yes. played uh, the lead Nicole. track last night. Yeah, uh, I got a love Nicole Tadpole. Uh, remember, remember her many times spent with uh, Nicole in the front bar at the on uh, the sort of a two dollar pot Tuesdays at the Tote. Spent a lot of time there in the nineties. She used to sit in on my radio show in Geelong. I I had a show called Collusion, and she used to come in at night. And we yeah, oh, really her pre Triple R days. But yes, I do remember Nicole. What, what, what was that? Did you have a show in Geelong? Yeah, we What's, did. Was, 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 um, on three double YR, it was called Collusion. And yeah, I know um, three double YR all too well. Yeah, so you know, I guess I was at uni there from ninety two, and that's the year that we were just thrashing out Monster Magnet and Mud yeah, Honey yeah. and Fagazi, and and you know, hanging out in that music scene ourselves, and and really embraced that whole like live music, you know, whether it was Red Cross yeah. coming to play at the uni or whatever, you know, the Bowen Club, Magic Dirt, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, that was a perfect time to be there too. I mean, I've been like, you know, they're like a double IR in the 90s, early 90s. Oh, God, a, I think, you know, I mean, I remember Ben coming to our house, our rental house in Belmont. He was still at school. So it would have been your very early days of Warped then, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Oh, God. Anyway, they're, they're probably more. Uh, <laughs> let's not record these stories and chat about them moments. <laughs> they were good times, good memories. Yeah, no, it was. Well, this is kind of the thing. Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, sort of, I think it's funny. I mean, I think, you know, as a really condensed community is the thing, you know, I mean, even like, you know, so everyone kind of lived really close to each other and they all were kind of doing the same thing. We'd always just go to the Barmel Club. Uh, well, it depends on what pub was going on at the time. There's a few pubs at that point, but the, the mainstay was kind of, you know, the Barmel Club and you'd always end up in the same place. And it was kind of the same in Melbourne for a long time. You know, everyone kind of lived in when we all kind of, a lot of us moved to Melbourne, you know, kind of in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, you know I mean? Kind of everyone lived in the inner city and, um, you know, everyone lived close to each other and everyone was going to the same venues and, 
um, kind of towns. I mean, urban sprawls kind of changed that to some extent, hasn't it? You know, I mean, people don't really yeah. kind of really live as close to each other as they used to. Um, yeah. Everything's yeah, exactly. kind of a bit more you know, far and further afield. It's not quite yeah. as cohesive. Thanks to gentrification, screwing it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's happening everywhere. It is. It's happening everywhere. But Darren, thank you. It was so good to talk to you. Lovely to have you as a guest on some of my best work. What a lovely trip down memory lane, but you know, lovely to see that you're (laughs) still connected to music. Definitely. Thank you for having me. It's great. If you've made it this far, I'll assume you enjoyed the episode with Darren. Des Dare is Darren's current music project. The latest single is 1985 out April 1. It's from their latest album, Ulysses Trash, coming out on April 19. Check out the episode notes for more info and have a listen. Before you get on to another show, please leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend who remembers the music scene in Geelong three decades ago. Speaking of, check out the episode where we hear Adelita tell the story of her chosen track, Trust is Rust. I'm Jane Rocker. Thanks for listening. <laughs>